From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. On our last episode, we detailed Florida's rapid ascent from being an unranked afterthought to the number two team in the country, but with some growing pains necessary to become a true championship contender. This is episode three, Rise of the Gator Boys. Near the end of February 2006, Florida was riding a roller coaster. The SEC proved to be much tougher than their non-conference slate, and the Gators were just 8-6 and six in league play when Georgia came to town for Senior Day on March 1st. As the voice of the Gators' Mick Hubert noted, the combination of facing some adversity and a new month on the calendar was seemingly all they needed. And I don't know if there was panic setting in at that point, but I do think there certainly was panic when we went to February because we lost three in a row at that point. You see, we had lost in January. We'd lost to Tennessee. Uh, I think it was up there by about four. And we lost to South Carolina by about four or five, back to back. And then we came in February, and then we lost to Tennessee again. That was part of a three-game losing streak. Well, now there was people starting to panic a little bit now. But really, when you look back upon it, it was the best thing. Because it's hard to keep winning with that pressure being on you like that. And so losing those two or three games really almost gave them a chance to kind of reboot a little bit, catch a second wind. And when they did that, obviously, it just so happened the last loss was the last game they played in February. So as the calendar turned over to March, that's when they stopped the losing streak. And of course, they never lost again. By this time, Joe Kim Noah was playing unbelievable basketball, and so was Al Horford and Corey Brewer, and you know, and uh, you know they, they were just unbelievable what they had. I mean, uh, I, and yet I don't know at that point even in year one, I'm not certain that people knew we were watching three NBA first round draft choices. Sure, I think we might have had a clue the second year that we got some NBA players on this team, but certainly in this first year, I don't know that we knew we had three guys who were going to be in the first round, and that's what we got with Brewer, Horford, and Noah. Talk of the NBA draft was the furthest thing from the minds of these Gators, who were determined to save a season on the brink following the late three-game skid. As sophomore Al Horford remembers it, Billy Donovan had a relatively simple formula to right the ship. So the first year, that happened, and Coach looked at the remaining schedule. We had two games remaining, I believe, and you know he just told us, that we just needed to, you know, to focus back in and just get it going again and, and having fun again. Because part of the problem during that season was that no expectations. Then there's all these expectations, a bunch of distractions, that different things start to happen. You know, after the Alabama game, we're feeling somewhat down. I think that the season was wearing on us a little bit. You know, now that I think about it, I, I want to say we we're a little run down for whatever reason. And that Georgia game, Joe King was a monster. He just took over the game, and he was just dominant. Like, you know, the, that game, I think he had like 37 points or like mm-hmm. something like that. It was ridiculous. He was, he was unbelievable. So he had that great performance, and after that, that kind of gave us life. And that's when we, you know, after that, we never lost again. But, like, that particular game for me, I feel like was a defining moment 
um, in our season, that Georgia game at home, because we were vulnerable and Georgia was feisty and Joaquin literally will not allow us to lose. Like he just took it to another level. Richard bounces into Noah. Noah on Idrisi. Noah turns, shoots, scores. Noah again, two more and 36 tonight. I feel like we kind of got our confidence back and then we played at Kentucky and it was a wrap after that. We went to Kentucky, hostile place. We won and, and you know, it was smooth sailing after that. For sophomore Joe Kim Noah, the UGA game that Horford credits as being the turning point for the team was going to be a memorable night for him regardless of the outcome. Oh, swell. <laughs> well, he put that on a platter for me, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, so I appreciate that. But that was a special night for me because it was the first time my, my grandfather came from, from Africa and came to see me play. And, you know, they, my dad comes in with my grandpa and it was, uh, you know, obviously I, I, I saw them right away. And I didn't start that game because it was senior night. So, so Moss, Moss started the game, but I was, I mean, it was just, it was such a special night for me. You know, I had my career night and uh, it just really gave me so much confidence just to have. And then we, we went straight from there. We beat Georgia. And I, w- I felt really, really good at that at that moment. And then we go to we go to Rupp. My dad flies to Rupp with my grandpa, and we go in there and we you know we kick some ass again in Rupp, you know. And Rupp is like you know it's a it's a it's a beautiful place to play. It's the one of the best places to play basketball in the world, you know. Just to have that bullseye, you know, Florida, Kentucky, one of the last games of of the season, and and we got them pretty good. So by the time tournament started, we were just, we, we were clicking. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is during, the thing that's hard is managing the distractions. And I, Coach Donovan always does a good job of putting everything in perspective and, you know, living in the moment. But it's really like, even for seniors and stuff, it's, it's crazy. And for the older guys, because you know that win or loser or it's over. Mm-hmm. So it's the beauty, it's the beauty of, the college game but it's intense and it's a it's a beautiful time and i mean that game that georgia game will will, is so special to me because i i I never even thought about it as a turning point it was to me it was just to be able to play in front of my grandpa was just it was a really special um time Noah's 37-point outburst was aided largely by a remarkable night at the free throw line sinking 19 of 22 from the stripe that he went there so often made perfect sense to sophomore Torian Green. You know, Georgia was always physical, and, and they were really, like, just body Joe the whole time. I know, I remember they were really physical with him. And then he had 37 on him that game, and <clears throat> I think his confidence level obviously went up to a whole nother notch, and, you know, his energy already pushes our team. It fuels our team, and we just always felt so confident, and, you know, we had anybody who could score on our team. And we just felt like, honestly, like nobody can beat us. And that was it. it was like we wouldn't, like we wouldn't even say that in a locker room. Like it was just it had that feeling, it had that type of swag that like nobody can beat us. Like we were humble about it, obviously, but like we also knew that you know we were going to be tough to beat every night. Here's head coach Billy Donovan. Well, I th- I think you know really what ended up happening was like there was we weren't ranked. We start the season. There's a lot of uncertainty. 
I think that they probably, you know, like anything else, because they hadn't done it. I think they had belief in themselves. But, you know, until you really start to do it, um, it doesn't really take shape. I think Joe Kim started to come into his own when we played in that uh, tournament in, in, in New York. And then to his, his point, you know, he had that game. But there was this air about them that they knew exactly what they had to do. And they knew exactly what went into winning. And when things were not going well, they could really course correct. But they knew exactly how to play together. And they knew exactly what went into winning. And that's what made them so special, in my opinion, was like everything was always about winning. And they had a great grasp on what what went into that. As sophomore Corey Brewer recalls, cracking that code allowed the Gators to find the swag they misplaced in February. We were just having fun, to be honest. I don't think we were even, we were just winning, and we just felt like we could beat anybody we played. So I guess you could say we we, had, we thought we could get to the Final Four for sure, but we just, when we were on the court, when we, when we stepped on the court, I think all of us, me for sure, I knew, like, we can beat anybody. Nobody, like, there's nobody that can, that's just going to beat us. Hearing Brewer, you'd think it was an easy path. But at the SCC tournament in Nashville, the Gators were certainly tested, sliding by Arkansas 74-71 in the quarterfinals and South Carolina 49-47 in the championship, one of only two times the entire year they were held below 60 points. Kenzie pulls up, shoots a three ball, left side, it's no good. Rebound, Bachman blocked by Noah. Another shot is up, it's short, and the ball game is all over. Oh my, Joe Kim Noah scored the winning basket, and then he blocked the shot. It's worth noting the only non-competitive game in Music City was the semifinal against LSU, where Florida breezed by Big Baby and the soon-to-be Final Four-bound Tigers 81-65. When Selection Sunday arrived, the Gators earned a three-seed and a chance to play close to home in Jacksonville in the first two rounds. While Florida was young, they did have NCAA tournament experience, although according to junior Lee Humphrey, it didn't play an outsized role in their preparation. To be honest, I don't think I thought about it that much. Uh, we didn't have success. You know, the, my first year, we, Manhattan put us out in the first game of the tournament, so we almost felt like we weren't there. Um, the second year we did, my second year, sophomore year, we lost to Villanova, who was very good at the time, um, in the second round. So I think my man, my junior year, we were really rolling in the SEC tournament and played well. We had find our we found our groove again uh, after a little bit of a stre- tough stretch uh, down down the end of the season. Um, I I don't think I was thinking about it that much. If anything, I was just thinking like, hey, we don't want to lose because we want to you know we want to go deep into the tournament and make it feel like we've been here. Let's just keep playing the way we are. It was just a, a great learning experience at, at making the tournament in the first round. You know, playing against Ohio and then. Uh... We, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we're take too much from it. Like, obviously, I was hurt that we lost, but going into our tournament runs, we were just so locked in. Like, it was just a six game tournament. We got to win every weekend. And if we win every weekend, we'll end up getting our, uh, getting our goal. So, I honestly didn't take too much from that, you know, tournament loss the first year, but it was a good experience. Just us getting out there, being able to play on that type of stage and, and competing against a good team, living over like that. The squad was locked in and had won their last five entering the dance, but there were still a few internal kinks to be worked out. You know, obviously Joe and Al were great. Chris Richard was also great. Adrian felt that that he probably was more deserving of some minutes because he was doing what he felt the the, the little things or you know being accountable um, and and really brought it up in a team meeting. 
Uh, Coach Donovan addressed it openly, honestly, in front of the whole team, saying, hey, these guys are going to be, you know, look at their skill set. They're going to be lottery picks. Look at what they bring. And it was really a turning point because I think Adrian realized, like, hey, this is my role on the team. Uh, I can do these little things. I can bring the spark. Uh, and it's still a, a, an important role on the team. And it's something that we that we need and we have to have. And I think everyone at the moment, you know, kind of realized, hey, this is this is a real team bonding moment. We're accepting our roles. We know what it's going to take to, to go along into the tournament. With everyone on the same page, the Gators were ready to embark on the road to the Final Four, although the car was a bit slow to get into gear against South Alabama and a former Donovan assistant. You know, obviously we were playing against John Pelfrey's team, and I think it was the first round game, and I forget who was playing, but University of Milwaukee was on the other side. They upset somebody. And like anything else, I think nerves probably got them. You know, we're in the tournament, and people maybe didn't even expect us to get to the tournament because we were so young, and these guys were not like McDonald Americans coming out of high school. And, you know, I think what, what ended up happening was we did not play great in the first half. And I really remember kind of lighting into them at halftime about the way we were playing, because I think we were not playing to our identity and the way we had played the entire year. And then I think the second half, we really came out and played well and we opened the game up and one handedly. And I think that carried over into the next game against uh, University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I think we played them next. Mm -hmm. And then they won that game handily. there going away in the second half. So, you know, I, I think that first round game, that first half was not who we, we had been most of the year. But I think when that second half came, I think that it was a great learning experience of how to handle the moment of, you know, being in a postseason. Because I think for them, because winning was so important, I think anytime you get thrusted into a situation that you know your season's going to end possibly today, it probably creates a, a level of nervousness and you can get a little bit uptight. And you almost play not to lose. And I think when they went out there and always played to win, that really, I think, got them going in the tournament. And then the other thing that, you know, Adam, that was amazing about the group, those guys for two years were 18 and 0 in the postseason. So in elimination games, they went 18 and 0. Three straight in, in um, the SEC tournament for two years in a row, which was six. And then they won 12 NCAA tournament games. <laughs> so in elimination games, those guys were basically, I think, 18 and 0. We had to really dig down because there were some, you know, you can the NCAA tournament now. There's going to be some tight games. And I remember we, we didn't have a, much of a battle early on when we played uh, we played South Alabama and, and Wisconsin, Milwaukee. But then we went to uh, Minneapolis, and, uh, boy, it was a tough one. We, we, we won this game in Minneapolis against Georgetown in a grinded-out style. We had done that a week or so earlier, a couple of weeks earlier, I guess, in the championship game, the SEC tournament. We beat South Carolina 49 to 47. So we had done it once. But was that a fluke? You know, can we do it again? And, and we had to do that because that's the way you're going to have to beat Georgetown. It was going to be a half-court, knockdown, drag them out, grind it out type of a game. And that's what we did. I remember Corey Brewer made a tremendous play on the right baseline, kind of a fallaway shot. He made it. He got fouled. He had an old-fashioned three-point play. And we beat, we beat them by four points. Brewer faking a three, going in the paint, throws it down to Noah. Noah shoots it up, missed the shot. Loose ball batted back to Brewer. Gators get it back as Brewer takes the ball to the lane. Brewer looks to shoot it up. He scores and he got fouled. He got fouled as he fell down. Oh, my. Corey Brewer gives the Gators the lead with 27 seconds to play. 
He spun. Georgetown tried to tie him up. He was falling away, almost on his back. Gets fouled, throws it up somehow, goes in. Oh, I remember looking up. I actually fell after I had made the shot. The next play, they had a chance to, I guess we were up one or two, and they ran a baseline out-of-bounds play, and they threw it over my head, and I was going to go for the steal, but I tried to stop myself, and I fell. And I gave this kid, I think his name was Owens, he had a wide-open shot, and he just missed. <laughs> I just remember looking up like, oh, God, I lost the game for it. It's like, <laughs> and he missed, and I think Al got the rebound. That's the thing I remember the most about that game is when I'm looking, sitting on the ground, looking at this guy shooting wide open three. But what about your shot? Though? That's you also made the game winning shot. Does that does that get sort of wiped out by remembering how it almost slipped away? Uh, nah, I remember the shot, but I remember I remember Joe missing the layup more than me making the shot. <laughs> but I just made a great I made a great pass. He always talking about pass, and I made a great pass, and he missed the layup. And luckily, Al knocked it back to me and came back right back to me, and I, I ended up making the shot. But it was a lot going on <laughs> during that little, the little stretch. Knocking off Georgetown in the Sweet 16 set the Gators up against the number one seed, Villanova. Ironically enough, the team that ousted them from the tournament the year prior. But history would not repeat itself, and the Gators were headed to the Final Four for the third time in school history after a 13-point victory. Fueled by 21 points, 5 blocks, and a career-best 15 rebounds from a red-hot Joe Kim Noah. 25 seconds left. Here's Anderson driving. Anderson down the lane. Anderson shoots it. It's blocked again. Fittingly so. I think Horford and Noah get a half a block apiece. And the Gators get the ball. And the Gators are going to win this game. And there will be no number one seeds in the final four for the first time since 1980. This Gator basketball team, a group of super subs with a chip on their shoulder all year long, who raced to 17 straight victories, have now won nine in a row. And they're in the final four. Oh, my. That's that's it. The ball game is all over here in Minnesota. The final score, the Gators 75 and Villanova 62. And Florida has earned its third trip to the final four. It was a huge deal. And I remember it was in, Minis- in Minneapolis um, at the old dome there. And you could you feel the air rush uh, when you open the door. And we had a long walk to get to from the locker room to the gym. And a long walk to get from the locker room to the media. I, I just remember kind of a surreal feeling to win it, to be Villanova, to cut down the nets. And then what I really remember is in the kind of the entryway into the locker room. Um, all the guys were standing there, uh, the starting five, uh, Walter Hodge, Chris Richard. We were all standing there. And Coach Donovan was there, and he's like, "You guys, you, you can really, you got a chance to do something really special." And it's 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 funny because uh, I don't know. I always think about that one phrase as kind of a catapult to back to back championships. I'm sure Coach Donovan wasn't talking about two championships back to back, or even a championship in the first season. But I kind of pin uh, that as the kind of the catapult for the second championship, almost, even though we hadn't won the first. Why is that? Why why do you think that was so important? You know, I don't know. I think from my mind, it's it's kind of the first time that all of the, you know, kind of those core guys were together in one spot and someone saying something that you could kind of hang your head on and like, oh, wow, that coach coach said that way back then, you know, but we do have a chance to make it, you know, a reality. Uh, it meant a lot. And, you know, it was a, long, it was a tough road. And, and it was one of our accomplishments, obviously, to get to the Final Four. But we knew that, you know, we still had, you know, work to do. And, and our ultimate goal was to get to the championship. Like I said, we were happy, but 
you know, at the same time, we still had that mentality, like, you know, we still have work to do. Like, don't be satisfied. You know, the job's not done yet. Before playing for a title, the Gators had to tap into their dark side, as their final four opponent was George Mason, an 11 seed and ultimate Cinderella that had stolen the hearts of onlookers nationwide. This storyline did not sit well with the Rowdy Reptiles. Yeah, I remember us being very angry um, because, you know, we made it to the Final Four. I feel like when you make it to the Final Four, it's like a big celebration. Oh, Final Four, this and this. And we're sitting there looking at it like, well, nah, like, we're, you know, we're trying to win this. Like, <laughs> you know, who cares? Like, we made it to the Final Four, so what? I, I do remember that there was a, a banquet, a Final Four banquet, where they have the four teams come together. And literally the whole, like at least most of the show was all about how amazing of a story George Mason was. What if they can keep it going and, and celebrating George Mason to the fullest. And I don't think Coach Donovan had to say much after that banquet. We were all very mad, motivated, and ready to go out there and, and beat George Mason. Like that, you know, that, that's how it was. I remember Chris Richard, you know, on the bus saying, you know, that we got, we got to jump on him. We got to get him. Uh, um, and I just remember the look. I, I never forget the look because I, I'm pretty sure I had it, but I looked at the other guys. You didn't even have to say, but like, we were just ready to go from the, from the coaches to our equipment manager to like, everybody just had that look. Um, I, I never forget that getting on the bus and I wish we would have played them that night after the banquet but you know we obviously had to wait but you know well once that happened i knew that we were gonna we were gonna beat him i never thought of ourselves as the bad guys one time (laughs) (laughs) uh to me we were the cinderella as well uh i mean i know i know that we weren't the cinderella the way that george mason was there's there's no way but for us it was novel and new we hadn't been to the final four before and we were getting wanted to get there just as badly as they did uh i i do remember following their win against UConn in the Elite Eight because it delayed our start to, to the Villanova game. It's like, wow, they're going, they're going in overtime, double overtime, uh, and we're just sitting around waiting to start our game because, because they're still playing. That's really what I remember about George Mason. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Shai was funny because every time he did, uh, he had scouting, and I think it was his scout in that game, he made every player on the other team seem like they were – Dang near Michael Jordan. Like, if there was a shooter, <laughs> he would say, hey, this is the best. And, was, and they had us on edge. Like, you know, they just beat UConn, obviously, to get to the Final Four. So, you know, we were on edge as a team. But, you know, watching film and, and preparing for them, the coaches did a great job of hyping them up, you know, to be a really good team, which they were a good team. But, you know, they had us on edge. And, and going into that game, I think that helped us, honestly, because, you know, we were still so on edge. We were the better team on paper. But, you know, Anything can happen. It's a tournament, so you could lose at any time. Obviously, they beat UConn, so we saw that and didn't want that to be us. So, you know, we locked in, and it was, I don't want to say it was an easy game, but, you know, it wasn't built up to how everybody was playing it, you know? The Gators felt confident, but you can never feel too secure during March Madness, especially considering George Mason was the third double-digit seed Florida faced in the tournament, proving upsets can be lurking around every corner. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause you see all these all these teams losing by last second shots, guys playing their worst games during the tournament, or teams having their best games. Like you have all the upsets. I think one year it's like the Cinderella season when George Mason was Cinderella, and everybody was like, "Oh man, this year the Cinderella." And then they came up against us, and Coach Donovan had the best he had the best speech ever. 
we were in the locker room. He was like, you know, everybody wants to talk about Cinderella, Cinderella this, Cinderella that. He was like, you know what? We're about to go break Cinderella's slipper tonight. <laughs> so, so, so we're gonna we're gonna break this glass slipper. And he like it was like he had a whole little saying. It was great. The glass slipper has been broken. The Florida Gators will play for the national championship Monday night here in Indianapolis. Whether it was the glass slipper speech or not, Florida successfully turned the Patriots back into pumpkins with a 73-58 win setting up a date with 11-time national champion UCLA, who had just stymied LSU 59-45 in the other semifinal. Well, we knew UCLA was a good team. They had some guys from our recruiting class, actually. Uh, you know, Jordan Farmer. They had Aaron Aflalo. Uh, you know, they had Umba Mute. They had, uh, who else? They had a young Darren Collison. You know, they had a real good team. And, um, you know, all the hype was that, you know, they were going to pressure us and, and, you know, just turn us over. And, you know, coaches, the coaches even told me and Hump, you know, and all the guards that, you know, you guys are going to have to handle their pressure. Da, 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 da. And, you know, we were just so locked in. And Joe and Al, and Joe said he was, he was like, Yo, I'm about to destroy this dude, Mata. And, yeah, Joe, Joe dominated that game. And, you know, I think we, we ran the pick and roll so well that game and, and just handled their pressure that, you know, they, they couldn't speed us up or turn us over, and that's why we won the game. Corey Brewer's three-pointer put the Gators ahead tonight, 9-6, to six, and they've never trailed since that point. Brewer hits the second free throw, 73-57. Jordan Farmar high to the left for a long three. It's short, no good. And Adrian Moss grabs the rebound, and the Gators don't have to shoot. 73-57. They're on their feet in Indianapolis. Torian Green going to dribble out the clock. Two seconds. One second. Horn sounds. Ball game is all over. Oh, my. The Gators have won the national championship, and they've won by 16 points. They dominated UCLA tonight. A swarming defense. A stifling three-point offensive attack. And the Gators... A winner tonight as the streamers explode from the top of the RCA Dome. Everybody with streamers on themselves. The Gators rolling in confetti at midcourt. Billy Donovan with a big smile on his face. The Gators are celebrating in Indianapolis a national championship for the basketball team. Oh, my. With the clock winding down to zero, Torian Green settled just inside half court to do a little dance and then flung the ball straight up in the air at the buzzer. That just came spontaneous. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just, I seen that clock running out and then I just did the little dance and, you know, and that was it. You know, it was just full of emotion and, you know, because we could see that we was going to win, obviously. So that just came out of nowhere. Just That's just part of my emotion. That's just what came to me, I guess. Well, then you, you fired the ball straight up in the air. Do you wish you had held on to the ball in hindsight? <laughs> kind of, but I'm, I'm, I think we I think we got it anyway. I was more worried about, dang, who was that ball going on the way down? <laughs> Man, I just knew we had their number just because we knew those guys couldn't beat us. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I think we felt like they couldn't beat us. I, we felt like our lineup was better than their lineup, and it was, and – I just knew Aaron Afalo, he was having a great, great tournament that year. And I was like, I'm taking him out. Don't worry, he, he's not going to get anything. And I think he didn't score like the first 25 or 30 minutes of the game. Like he, 
started scoring when it was over. But um, we all knew our job, and Joe was blocking everything. Mm-hmm. He, I think he set the blocks record in, like, the first 10 minutes of the game. And then Al was just always the study rock, just doing what Al does. And then Torian just, man, he's, he, he was one of the best point guards to deal with all of us and just to run the show and get everybody involved. That's tough. He did it, and he still scored. And then we always have the X factor. When you got Lee Humphrey on the court, UCLA was dumb enough. They kept doubling. <laughs> so they, they doubled. We swing, swing. Lee get the wide open three. And Lee shooting the wide open shot is like us getting a dunk. We knew it was going in. We, I think coaches, it was layups, dunks, and Lee. <laughs> that was our motto. <laughs> layups, dunks, and Lee. <laughs> and then here came the big, bad UCLA Bruins. We beat them as bad as we beat George Mason. So, I mean, that, that was tremendous to, to beat UCLA for a national championship. I don't care how many years removed it was from their, their other national championships. They still had those four letters across their chest, UCLA. And so that was tremendous. Well, I never dreamed that that would ever happen. Um, I mean, it was unreal. I think um, the game was incredible. We played a really a great game, a, a team game. Um, took care of the ball. UCLA was playing really well. They crushed UCLA, uh, LSU in the in the game before us. Uh, we had played LSU a couple times and and had beat them as well, but not like UCLA had. Uh, what I really remember is the night before. Uh, when we finished team dinner, we were watching film. Coach went into his pregame speech. And what I really remember is, hey, everybody's talking about how great UCLA's defense is. You know, holding opponents to whatever shooting field goal percentage it was, probably in the 30s, holding teams to under 50 points or somewhere close to that. And then I remember him saying, you know what, guys, we're going to show them what a real defense is or, or something to that effect. And and he talked about some things about their pace and wait till they see our offensive style. We're going to get out and we're going to run and we're going to attack them early. And, and then on the defensive end, we're just going to put the clamps on. And it's exactly what we did. I mean, we played uh, that, that exact way during the game. Reaching the top of the mountain is everyone's goal. But much like the dog catching the car, you don't always know what to do after reaching that euphoric moment. Now that I can, you know, see everything, um, I remember, I, I, you know, I was interviewed a lot after the game. You know, all the reporters and everyone would tell me, they're like, does it feel surreal to you? And, and you believe it? And, we're, and I was like, yeah, 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 I can, I can believe it, of course, of course. But, <laughs> but you know, looking back on it, it was very surreal. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you did it. You worked all the way to the end. And then, like, the end was there. We win. But you just don't know, you know, how to process it and, and deal with all that. And, and, you know, it was just somewhat of a disbelief. Sometimes it takes years to write the definitive history of a team and fully grasp what made them elite. But as athletic director Jeremy Foley noted, the 4s legacy was already clear as day. Incredible unselfishness. Incredible. You know, first of all, the, the, the epitome of their unselfishness was the fact that all came back the following year. But obviously, I was on a lot of trips with them. I was in a lot of locker rooms with them. And I talked to Billy about them a lot. You know, those guys just wanted to win. You know, it wasn't about points. It wasn't about, you know, headlines. It wasn't about ink. It wasn't about, you know, where they're going to go in the draft. They just wanted to win. You know, I'll never forget a story. This is a great story, Adam, is that uh, after we won the, the one in 2006, you know, as you talked about the, the, the overpowering personality, obviously you're referring to Joe Kim, <laughs> and he had an incredible tournament, and I think he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at least twice, might have been three times, but at least twice during the tournament. 
And um, when it was all said and done and we'd won it, um, the reporters were in the locker room and they asked Al Horford. Well, obviously, it was a credible piece to those championships. Said, you know, Al, did it bother you that during this tournament run, you know, Joe was getting so much attention? Because Joe was. He had captured the imagination of the country. You know, I'd go to those press conferences in Indianapolis and, you know, there'd be 400 people asking him questions. And, you know, and so did it, did it bother you, Al? Did it bother you? And Al looked at the guy like he had three heads <laughs> and said, why would that bother me? I have a ring. Mm-hmm. And that epitomizes who those guys were. They just they wanted to win. Incredible competitors, obviously incredibly talented. But if one day somebody got 20 points and the next day they got none and the Gators won, had a zero impact in the locker room. It was very surreal for us. Uh, we, you know, we really didn't know how to act. Like, <laughs> the reality, like we got in the locker room and, and, you know, and our phones are blowing up. You know, we're celebrating with one another. And then we go back to the hotel and all our families are there, all our friends. And, you know, it was already super late because after you do interviews and all that stuff. So, like, we're just, just hanging out in the rooms and stuff. And it, it was very surreal. Um, it, it did not, you know, we quite didn't understand what we just did. Florida basketball had achieved what many thought was impossible, and for assistant coach Anthony Grant, cemented the foundation of those that came before them in the Billy Donovan era. I think you also have to look at, obviously those guys ended up winning a national championship, but you go back and you look at, you know, a guy like a David Lee and Matt Walsh and Anthony Roberson and, you know, just just what those guys were able to, to bring to that group the year before and just those experiences I think there's a lot that that goes into it and I I think you have to just knowing when seeing what Billy was able to do and what those guys accomplished I think you you have to rewind it back several years before that you have to go back to the you know the Brent Wrights and the Udonis Haslam's and the Mike Millers you know and Mike Miller saying hey everybody's asking why Florida for me you know goes when hopefully by the time I leave here They'll be asking the next McDonald's All-American, why not Florida, you know? And then you get a, a Brett Nelson, Matt Bonner, you know, some of those guys that came and, and kind of laid the foundation for what those guys in 06 were able to, to do. To me, I remember this incredible journey. Uh, um, it's kind of like a family. When you make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, you're like, you live with the same people for a month. I'm talking about not just players, but coaches and coaches' wives, staff members, because you're on a SEC tournament for, you know, four or five days, first round, second round, final four. So incredibly close, became very close with their parents. You know, just uh, obviously a really feel-good story, incredible memory for all of us in our careers. And you remember the, the Georgetown game that um, was incredibly close. You Obviously, you remember the final game when, you know, incredibly talented UCLA team and we played very, very well that night. So you just remember the journey. And, you know, again, from my perspective, Adam, is that, you know, when when we were hiring Billy, in a sense, of course, nobody knew what he was going to become and the job he was going to do. But the goal was to, you know, make Florida basketball relevant because, you know, people won't remember this, but obviously I do because I was in the middle of it. You know, people are saying, you know, Florida can never be successful in basketball. All Florida cares about is football. Well, obviously, Florida cares a lot about football and baseball and tennis and golf. But we cared about basketball, too. We just never had able to put it all together on a consistent basis. Certainly, you know, had pockets. You know, the Final Four run to Charlotte was incredible. But, you, you know, even when even when we were hiring Billy, you know, people told Billy not to take the Florida job. It's not a good job. Can't win at Florida. I can remember that like it was yesterday. And so to that night, to have that end, 
And to have the confetti coming down on the Gators' heads and have one shining moment talking about the Gators is an exclamation point is, yeah, you can do a lot of things in Florida. You know, if you have the right people, people pulling in the right direction, you know, focus on the right thing. Obviously, you got to have great players. Um, but, you know, don't tell people you can't get something done in Florida. I, I like that it kind of was the exclamation point that um, we could do it in basketball. They could, and they did. But once the fight song stopped echoing and the last piece of confetti settled on the ground, they had to confront the inevitable question, now what? On our next show, we'll take you inside the O4's decision to come back and the challenges of preparing for the repeat campaign. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, giving a special thanks to production assistant Eli Rosen and to all of you for tuning in to this latest installment of Gator Tales, Gator Greats.